and welcome to Lunching with Lawyers. Lunching with Lawyers is brought to you by LorettaCrete.com. In this series of podcasts, Loretta explores the world of law graduates. She talks to lawyers, recent law graduates and budding lawyers seeking alternatives or exploring how to get the jobs that they want. This podcast series is also for those thinking about pivoting or just wanting to do something different. So join Loretta for discussions with lawyers and law graduates about their careers and the paths they took to get to where they are. Let's explore what success in their profession looks like to them. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to Lunching with Lawyers. Mark Lombard is a comedian, writer and artist and a father of young children. Yes, he's a lawyer too. Who would have thought that? He's not one of those stuffy lawyers though, though he did work for the big end of town for many years before, before finding the light or maybe lots of debt and took a gamble and, really, and did what a lot of lawyers only dream about, pursued work-life balance. Joining me to interview Mark is Tanashi Makamura, a really interesting man in his own right. But tonight again, Tanashi, it's not about you. It's all about Mark. Yes, I know it's called Lunching with Lawyers, but Tanashi and I have not found work-life balance yet and still have to work pretty much every day. So we're interviewing Mark in the evening. Hello, Mark and Tanashi. Hi, Loretta. I just thought to let the listeners know that one, you spelled my name wrong on your piece of paper. <laughs> two, it's Makamure. Anyway, <laughs> we'll just let that slide. <laughs> Maybe it is about Tanashi. <laughs> it's always about me. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to jump right in. Mark, why did you pursue law degree? Why did you pursue law when you're clearly a comedian? Uh, well, <laughs> short answer is because my parents wanted me to. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? Yeah, it's so yeah. boring. There's <laughs> only, only two careers, right? Law and medicine. And that's, yeah. Uh, that's, that's en- engineering is great. Engineering, engineering is, uh, yeah, that, 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 that rates fairly highly as well. Yeah. And why didn't you choose medicine then? Uh, I didn't uh, like sciences that much or particularly like the idea of operating on people, you know, Side of blood, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff is the, um, uh, you know, fundamentally the reason why. Mm. Isn't it funny? Because I'm still, I think, the only one that actually wanted to be a lawyer from when I was very young. You haven't interviewed me. I wanted to be a lawyer too. (laughs) Well, clearly we're the special ones, Tanashi. There was a point where I started wanting to be a lawyer and, and, you know, I, I still, you know, quite enjoy... Uh, lawyering, but mm-hmm. I think if I wasn't doing this other stuff as well, it, yeah. I think that that's that's where I uh, I think where I really sort of draw my um, you know, those things are my passion, and I think yeah. that's where I really draw my energy from those things. Yeah. Yeah. And why what what university did you go to, and why did you choose that university? The University of Queensland, and I. Uh, I'm just trying to think back now. I think I chose that university because it had a particular combination of degrees that I was interested in trying at the time: commerce and law. And I yeah, could do why that. Why commerce? Uh, I think at the time I uh, actually thought that I could go into um, 
banking or finance. Mm. Um, I think partly because my father had uh, worked in that industry, and so I'd grown up, you know, with him in the household, you know, working in that industry, talking about that industry, um, and so that was, you know, to me as somebody who, you know, knew what he wanted to do, but that, you know, I also understood that that wasn't a job that paid the bills necessarily. Mm. Um, you know, that struck me as you know, the most likely thing that I would do. Started commerce and law at UQ in the year 2000 and um, very quickly realised that commerce just wasn't for me. Um, you know, that, that I really clicked and, and settled in much more easily with the law crowd. You know, the, the people I met in law school I really enjoyed spending time with, I really enjoyed um, studying with. Um, so you don't do your complete degree in commerce, you take on law subjects right from your first That's year? right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but I still managed to, however it worked out, I, I, mm. I graduated from commerce after three years still, mm. uh, but I, I was doing law subjects you know, every year. Yeah. 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 I did a similar thing. I did an economics degree mm. in Sydney. So All right. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. What well, was the same sort of deal? Really. Yeah. So in a way, just a few years before you, but yeah, sure. only just a few, Mark. <laughs> I was. Um, I was. I was ten years old when Mark started uni. Ah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's, still, very, that's still, very interesting. Thanks, Tanashi. Oh, I still R- remind to me of that whenever you. <laughs> oh yeah, really? Oh yeah, you're an astronaut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it was uh, a lucky accident in a way that I um, that I also chose law. Oh, ex- hmm. yeah. And but how? What then drew you to the UQ Law Review, and how did you get into that? Well, in a way, I think. It was the UQ Law Review, like the the idea of doing UQ Law Review appealed to me because I was interested in, you know, theatre and comedy and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the, the folklore is that all the Monty Python people, you know, did law at Cambridge or Oxford and all the working dog people did law or whatever at, in Melbourne, you know. And so, or at UQ, or at UQ. <laughs> well, that's right. And so I thought, well, you know, if um, you know, if I'm interested in that sort of stuff, uh, the the review might be a way to, um, you know, not only express myself in that way, you know, practice the art, perform, you know, but might also lead mm. to to things. But um, but I think you know, it's probably fair to say that that these days, even the old you know, go, go to Cambridge or Oxford, get a job at the BBC days are over. Um, you know, I've you know, um, you know, met some people who, you know, were in the footlights at Cambridge and, and even they're struggling to, to make it, um, despite being very good. Um, I think it's just a different, a different progression, a different yeah. world now. So, um, so yeah. people good at comedy or just kind of yeah. performance, you mean? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um yeah, so I think that, that that sense that maybe I had in the year 2000 or 2001, you know, when I started doing law review, that, you know, there's a, a path from law review into comedy or the performing arts. It, 
Like there might be, but it's not a very, very clear path. No, like, like maybe once upon a time it might have been. But again, I'm just assuming that that was the case. So did you think about that before you went to university and did you choose the university no. based on? No. No. No, it was more like I got to UQ and then I saw a poster for the law review and I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Mm. And is that because you'd done some performances at school? Yeah. Mm. Yep, yep. So I'd done performances at school, uh, you know, plays and musicals. Mm. Um, uh, and I was a musician at school. I played the trumpet. Um, yeah, so I was, I was into the performing arts mm. at school. Um, I was a bit of an all-rounder at school. I you know, played sport, played music, um, you know, performed you know, reasonably well academically. Not, not the best, but... You know, enough to get into enough UQ Enough to get into UQ <laughs> Um, Couldn't yeah. have been too bad. No, no, it was quite good. <laughs> no, it's quite good. I'm hearing my story and I find a lot of similarities with my own. <laughs> Except really? I didn't play the trumpet, I played the violin. Oh, right. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Okay. And you were good at sports too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in rugby. Rugby, yep. um, rugby was, my, was, my, was my big nice. go-to. Um, loved, loved, a good, loved good rugby. Yep. Yeah, I was a bit of an all-rounder. Um, rugby, mm. music, drama. Yep. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Nice. Well, yeah. Nothing much has changed. Nothing. Particularly the drama part. <laughs> you know, a bit of drama to be able to be in the law. <laughs> the number of people that used to say things to me like, oh, well, you know, law is like acting, you know, like being a lawyer is like being an actor. And, uh, you know, even at the time, I thought, well, is it really? You know, why are you saying that? You're not a lawyer or an actor. Mm. You don't really know. Um, but you know, people just would, I don't know, it's almost like they would try and talk you into it in a way, like, or, 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 can't, or, or ease your mind about the, the choices that you've made, you know, they're just trying to, I know, they're trying to be empathetic. It is like acting. I mean, every one of us has been in a conciliation conference. <laughs> you go in there knowing that your client has a dog claim and you're just like, oh. <laughs> I, yeah. no, I don't know about that, but I do think, Mark, I, I do think we have that, you know, we can perform. Yeah. And we like to talk. And I think, yeah. you know, we, we do have to put on acts sometimes. Oh, and yeah. whatever, yes. ha, however we present that is different. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not saying there's nothing in it, but I think... Um, my sense is that the people who are giving you that advice are watching too much American, you know, television. <laughs> oh, too too many true. legal dramas and law um, and order. Yeah, exactly. Suits. Right. When yeah, you go Boston. to a when you go to a courtroom in Australia, and you know, yes, you are performing. Yes, you are trying to persuade the judge. You are trying to persuade, mm. etc. But um, and there is an element of performance. It's uh, you know, I don't think that. Um, you know, the district court on a random Thursday is going to steal any ratings from uh, <laughs> from Boston media. And not only that, I mean, the reality of it is, mm. like, how many of us are off to court every day mm. as lawyers? Mm, not, not many. Not many. No. I know we have one or two mm. trials a year, maybe, yeah. if that. Not even that. Uh, depends on what sort of work. That yeah, that's do. right. And mostly, you know, mm. the trials I do um, really only proceed to a hearing after a minimum of four years of you know messing around beforehand mm. and um you know working through interlocutory issues and mm. and it's just it's it's um 
just very time consuming working through those preliminary issues and I'm not, I'm not saying it's not uh, that it's pointless I think it's very very useful a lot of the time but um, yeah it's not a quick process as we know yeah well but most of our clients don't know that That's and true. we're often trying to convince our clients to mm. do that you know when they go we want to go to court we want our <laughs> day in court it's not going to be next week it's not going to be next month it could be five years away yeah. and for our clients particularly Tanashi's mm. and mine mm. we, they just don't have the resources of course. so mm. it's yeah, right. completely different yeah yeah um, yeah, so completely different to Boston Legal, all those other oh, yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to get back to the um, UQ Law Reviews. Sure. What were they like? So what sort of productions were they and how did you pick those productions or were you involved in that? Look, it was all, it, nothing but professional. Uh, <laughs> there, was, there was never a, a bomb sketch. Uh, but basically it was a, a sketch show and the idea behind the review was that, um, you know, we, we wrote it, yeah. produced it, performed it. And... Um, uh, back when I was doing it, we did that um, in the cement box theatre, which was a little black box theatre, a hundred seats um, underneath the Chanel theatre. And then while I was there, the, the review moved from the cement box up into the, the big theatre at the Chanel. Is that the Chanel? At the, at the University of Queensland, there's the Chanel Theatre. I don't know if they've, if they've renovated it now. Uh, Didn't I, they pull that down? They're going that, to, yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's the idea or the plan. Mm. I haven't completely um, kept up to date but I think there was certainly recently a move to try and save it mm. um, you know a lot of the current review crowd and, and I certainly signed the petition and um, you know tried to save it I think it would be a real shame to to see it pulled why uh, it's uh, well it doesn't look that attractive from the well, outside it's it's not and, and a mm. lot of buildings I think built in the 70s don't mm. um, I think it was the 70s or the 60s. Um, but uh, I don't know, it has a, lot of, has a bit of history. Mm. has a bit of... Um, well, for me, I guess it's a bit personal. But uh, but I think the idea of having a venue on campus like that where you can put on a live show, mm. not just the law review. I mean, I think that there's... Um, and I'm not sure what the situation is now, but certainly back then there were, you know, theatre clubs on campus that used... The spaces, you know, the student union. It's part of the student union complex, mm. and they also do um, movies there. They do movies like and, and independent a, movies and things yeah. like that. And it's a but wouldn't they? As well. But wouldn't they replace it with something, or is that no. the concern? That's that the concern. Not, yeah. All right. So they're not going to replace okay. it. It's just going to turn into offices or something. Mm. And I think yeah, that's theater. that's yeah. the problem. Is that um, fine? Knock down the Chanel. It's old. It's you know. It's out of date. It's you know. It's mm. um. The decor inside is, you know, um, it's well and truly dated. But yeah, if you're not going to uh, um, replace it with anything else, then that's that's the concern. Well, then I understand. Mm -hmm. That's understandable. Did it make money? Did you make money on your reviews? Yeah, you did. Yeah, your review was pretty pretty popular. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's hugely popular, yeah. and and I, I dare say even more so now. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a money spinner. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's produced. Well, I should say, back then, you know, when I was doing it, it was the um, the Law Student Society, so the UQ Law mm. Society Inc. Um, 
you know, it was part of their... Yeah. their um, so you used the funding from what you made the previous year to run the law but Basically, yeah. 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 It, it all sort of went back in the kitty mm. and then you get a budget from the UQLS each year to, to run law review. Um, but yeah, uh, and, and the reality is, you know, UQLS sold, again, back then, sold L cards, you know, membership cards mm. that had drink deals and things. So they still do it. Yeah, so they they, you know, they have this membership card system. So you know, money goes into the into the coffers at the start mm. of the year in O week, and um, that money that then gets spent to provide you know um, entertainment and services, and they run you know useful things like note pool and tutoring, I think from mm. memory. But they also run like the law ball, the law dinner. You know, um, yeah. For example, end of semester drinks mm. nights law review of course pro- professional the most important thing yeah, yeah, exactly. is drink nights exactly <laughs> it truly is and, and you know facilitated um you know uh, uh professional networking events yeah. as well so we had a professional breakfast and other ad hoc did you meet um, anyone at the professional breakfast did you go i went um what was it like i went every year that i was involved in the uqls yeah. um yeah, it was it was a it was a pretty good event. I mean, I I can't say that I met anybody that you know unlocked any doors for me. Mm-hmm. But but the thing is, you know, you you are sitting at a table with someone from a firm or a HR manager from a firm or wherever, um, you know, um, and so you're at least able to ask them some questions in a relatively like casual kind Informal of way like not setting. a not a not a formal um interview setting at least mm. so you know you can develop some relationships you can build some rapport you can figure out you know what these um you know hiring firms are after in graduates and uh and in their staff and you can figure out you know um you, you can discern things about the culture of the firms yeah. i guess as well um you know because Everyone's different, and you know, different different places appeal to different people. So you know, there was there was yeah. those those sorts of. Because I often wonder about those um, networking events. Yeah. I always think, kill me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I guess you can, you know, and now I've done it um, from both sides. You yeah. know, like I was, um, you know, at that stage a student, but I, uh, since then I've attended those sorts of events right. as a lawyer and you know as a representative of the firms that I worked at um, so yeah I mean I can I can certainly see that from you know time to time they might feel um, long <laughs> yeah. uh, but but I think fundamentally they're they're serving a very useful function you know and do you think so God, that went off kilter a little bit mm. but do you think that your involvement in the UQ law review made you a better lawyer um i think in in a a a roundabout kind of way i think it did and i'll explain that that a bit um i think that being involved in the law review meant that i was then uh socializing with other law students particularly older you know um, Mm. more experienced law students and as a as a first and second year law student, I, I really didn't get it. Like I was I was not, you know, setting the world on fire with my grades, and I wasn't um, really. It just hadn't 
clicked for me at that point. But then, you know, once I started hanging out with these older students, you know, I started picking up mm. things. I started picking up, you know, the way I should be thinking about, you know, answering exam questions, questions yeah. you know, answering assignment questions. Um, you know, there was all of a sudden this network of older students that I could bump into, I could go to if I wanted to, but, you know, more likely bump into in the in the law library and say, hey, I'm looking at this assignment, you know, yeah. this is what I've got in mind, and they would say, you know, oh, have you thought about X, Y, or Z? So, you know, it, 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 it gave me access to people that I otherwise wouldn't have ever met. And I think that as a result of having that access, I started cluing into what I needed to do. Are you still friends with some of those people? Uh, I'm certainly still friendly mm. with... Um, I, you know, I mean, I'm not close friends with all of them. Mm. I'm, I would say that I'm still friendly with all of them. Like if I saw them at a party or bumped into them, we'd definitely have a chat. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm friendly with... With um, most, I, if not all, I'm always interested in networking. Hmm. <laughs> so you hate it, but you're really interested in it. Well, because <laughs> I think there's different ways of doing yeah, it. Yeah. And so people think of traditional ways those networking mm. functions, mm. but in fact, the way the better way, well, my view is the mm. better way to do it is to do it in in terms of networking. Mm. Your UQ law review, mm. um, you know whatever productions mm. or whatever and the mm. opportunity to meet other people mm. that's what really gave you probably like you said it gave you an in with your other work mm. with your assignments so yep. that's what you're trying to do as a student really yeah so. i mean i just i just i think well pro probably mm. even more than that i was just looking for a a way to sort of fit in and belong mm. and you know but up, up until that point you know i i came from high school to to uq on that first day you know in orientation week in year one mm -hmm. they have like a welcome to law school event yeah in the uh what was it the abel smith lecture theater i think it was mm -hmm. called and then you know i walked in as the only person from my school there didn't know anybody else mm -hmm. um and you sort of look in and you can see like in that corner there's just like a hundred boys in dark blue and light blue mm -hmm. <laughs> seniors jerseys and in that corner there's a whole bunch of boys in you know red and black seniors jerseys and then over there there's like a bunch of girls in their school colors and you just think oh this is so where did you go to school Mark, I, I own a college oh right yeah and where's that I own... uh, out bayside so yeah winning manly way um yeah. so yeah so i i think mm. that that for me was the first time i'd really felt like a you know, small fish in a big pond, and um, and I think, you know, for me, the idea of sort of just making some friends at law school by doing um, law review, you know, and engaging in that activity that, that you know we all shared in common, that just made me feel comfortable there. You know, it's funny you should say that because I think I had a similar experience because I'm I was actually very shy, Tanashi. I know you'll find that hard to believe, but. When I was young, I was very yeah, shy. He likes to like dress up in the office. <laughs> and if you don't compliment her, I'm going to get a raise that year. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> but I am quite quiet and I found it quite hard. Mm. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I understand yeah. what you're saying because I yep. came from country in New oh, South right. Wales okay. and went to university. So Where did you come from? Country New South Wales in Batemans Bay. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to ask you about Malakuta later. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> We're looking at it. There, yeah, I know. By the way, I was very shy too, by the way. Oh, do you believe that? Just for the record, shit. I was never shy. <laughs> I was very shy. I, <laughs> I am shy. So did you go through a graduate legal program or did you do PLT when you finished school? A graduate program, yeah. Yep. And where was that at? Uh, a firm called Blake Dawson Waldron. So it was at Blake's. And how did you get that? Did you just... I had uh, completed a summer clerkship the previous mm. year. And uh, I think, well, from memory off the back of that, um, summer clerkship offers were made to people and mm. I was lucky enough to get one of those offers. So you must have, like you said at first, you said that you struggled a bit. Mm. So, but by the end, you must have been getting really good grades because Blake's is not, you know, uh, like... True, yeah. true, yeah. I think, um, yeah, so it all turned around, I think, for me in around third year. Um, you know, I, I met some pr pretty good friends during mm. the law review and, um, you know, was able to start studying with them. And as I say, you know, kind of mm. figured it out. And, and yes, by the end, I was, you know, doing, doing pretty well. And, you know, it's funny because I have always worked in either community legal centres or legal aid, and I still remember Blake's as being the kindest law firm at the big end of town. Was it like that? Like that's, that was that's why I was very pleased mm. to get that job. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, it had it certainly had that reputation at that time um, um, in 05, 06 when I was finishing uni and starting work, uh, and and I again knew that because you know older um colleagues of mine from university had had worked there and and said good things about it so i was very pleased to to have been offered that clerkship and and you know when i was there i enjoyed um uh the, the clerkship and i enjoyed mm. um working there and i liked the people i met there and it all kind of just fell into place i guess yeah so it was mm. so it was because they no longer exist for ashhurst correct right? yeah and um what was it like then working for because that's a huge firm isn't it it is yeah mm. yeah and what was it like then working in such a big firm uh, i actually um missed that transition so i ended up taking a leave of absence in uh, 2011 and my wife and I, well, fiance at the time, and I went to London for a couple of years and that the the, uh, the merger happened, I think, while I was away slash coming back. Mm -hmm. And so um, what, for, you know, one reason or another, um, leaves of absence weren't then I, I couldn't cash in on that leave of absence and, you know, I had to find another job when I came mm. back. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so I never ended up working for Ashurst. Ah, but hang on. Didn't you work for them in London? Oh, I worked... <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is weird. So I was doing contract work in London. Mm. Um, that was my choice. I, I just wanted to, you know, um, work as a contractor, be able to 
live in London and mm. enjoy living in London rather than you know, working for a big firm there and never going outside. So uh, I did work on a contract basis for my partners in Brisbane, mm. um, but in the light of that merger, mm. I did it at Ashurst's offices in London. So it was a bit of a... Yeah, so I've, <laughs> I've, I've done billable work out of Ashurst's offices in London, but I've never worked for Ashurst in London. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can tell that uh, you can tell that he's an employment lawyer. <laughs> he's quite clearly distinguishing being an employee and being a contractor. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And so it did affect you this merger because I was going to ask you how um, was it? How did it affect a relatively junior lawyer? in that period yeah. where you couldn't come back on yeah you? well it, yeah so yeah mm. exactly so I, I um, yeah I mean I, I've kept in touch with um, you know my, well, many of my colleagues um, from from Blake's and you know we catch up every now and then um, but uh, yeah but I couldn't couldn't go back to the firm when I returned and in a way um, maybe that was a good thing in hindsight because yeah. that was about the time when I you know, decided that you know maybe I could work part time and maybe I could you know pay the bills and and uh, put food on the table and all those other platitudes and and still um, to some extent indulge my my passions mm-hmm. and pursue you know writing and and comedy. Okay, well we're not we're not going there yet. Okay, <laughs> but that was about the time, uh, and so yeah. and and I, I I suppose I'd be lying if I didn't say that you know not not going back to you know what was then Ashurst um, you know it was partly um, the catalyst for that I guess mm-hmm. you know like wh- whatever you know j- job I took after that um, you know it was a new role and I could start with a new mindset and I could you know be open and honest with you know those employers about mm-hmm. what I want to do and how I want to spend my time so was were you already thinking about that when you joined Blake's mm-hmm. uh well, yes, I guess, but um, in the sense that I mentioned earlier, like, you know, you're kind of performing in the law review. I mean, I think I've always aspired to or, or hoped that, you know, one day I'd be able to, um, you know, write and perform professionally mm-hmm. or, you know, at least make that my job. And um, I haven't yet, but... Um, well, um, you have. But well, well, I'm, I'm yeah. certainly making yeah. making some money doing that now, um, but it, it can't be my yes. my only job. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think when I started at Blake's, I was um, I certainly had that in mind. Um, but uh, and this is no disrespect to the firm at all, but you know, sort of work pretty hard, and mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't leave a lot of time for for other things and. And whilst friends and I would put on comedy shows during that time that I was working there, um, I don't think I really had so what sort of time comedy, what to, sort to of do comedy it. shows did you were you putting on uh, sketch shows very similar to Law Review, you know, just a very generic sketch in and around show. Brisbane. Yeah. Yep. So uh, just friends from the Law Review, mm. you know, who had graduated, and you know, we were interested in continuing to to write and perform. Uh, so we did it. And where did you perform then around Brisbane? Metro Arts was the place. Mm. You know, Metro Arts had a little room on... It, it, well, and they're not there now. Everything's changed. 
Uh, but they had a, you know, a, a campus at Edward Street. They had a number of theatres, one of which was like an old um, movie theatre with old movie theatre seats called the Studio Theatre or the Lumen Room more recently. And that was just a perfect venue, you know. It was about 100 bucks a night. Um, you could fit 100 people in it. Oh, sorry, no, it wasn't 100 bucks a night. It was more than that. But you could fit 100 people in it. Um, you know, and if you sold tickets for $10 each, you could cover your costs and, mm-hmm. you know, make a small amount of money. So we, we tried to do that maybe, you know, once a year at least. And did you? Yeah. Like for how many years did you uh, do that? We did maybe four reviews, mm. three, three or four shows after university. Um, yeah, that was mostly the, um, the hard work and the brain power of uh, the now very famous uh, Jonathan Shree, counsellor for Warren uh, yeah. Yes, he, he, the he's one, the one who... The one more review that I did. Oh, yeah, right. Well, I half did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I joined it initially, and then um, I was an international student in poor and needed to work every yep. time they had rehearsals. So I had to pull out after mm. just doing one ad. Damn. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't it's a shame to national. It's a real shame. I think we did an ad on Lexus Nexus, oh, yeah. and we used Lexuses. Yeah, and tried to join them. Lexus, Lexus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, but um, uh, Jonathan was the one that really sort of got that going, mm-hmm. and uh, and hopefully I'm not um, speaking out of school or, or doing him a disservice by mentioning that here. But um, uh, he, uh, you know, he he really had a lot of get up and go. You know, and mm-hmm. I think you can see that now in what he's doing it in his you know, role as counsellor for Woolen Cover. And um, I think I, I really appreciated that he, he included me in that. It was great. And did, did, any of, did any of the others go and do comedy full-time or yeah, uh, out of that? Well, one of the others is um, currently performing in my Brisbane mm-hmm. show, uh, James Tenniswood. <clears throat> and then Joe has now obviously gone into politics. Others have sort of... Um, moved on and either continued with their legal careers or um, pursued other other careers. Yeah. So, um, well, that's you know pretty interesting. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if Joe refers to his careers. I, I remember I remember seeing Joel outside the Supreme Court, like for like a, like a two month period, playing his saxophone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a period there. I think the story was that he. Um, you know, was was busking to pay rent, and yeah, and that was it. He thought he thought that was a pretty good spot. It was a pretty good spot. Well, and do you know what? I mean, that shows you you'd know what it's like to be poor if you have to busk on the streets. Do you know? You do know what your constituents that some uh, people are struggling. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I won't comment yeah. about. Uh, all I, don't that, but I, don't I think I think he's always yeah. been very a very smart person. Yeah. Who's yeah. Certainly. Always known what he wanted to do. Certainly very um, um, like. Uh, it's connected to his, I think, to his constituents. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm. yeah which is, you know, it's not a. It makes you more human mm. when you hear those sorts of stories about a person, mm. and you think, well, if they can busk, mm. you know, mm. yeah, yeah, play a musical instrument, you know, you don't see politicians or anyone or lawyers as real people, do you? I mean, Bill I think, I think Bill, Clinton, Bill Clinton plays the saxophone. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, Bill Clinton. He does. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, you don't see them as real people. That's an interesting um, thought because, I mean, we are obviously real people. We're just doing mm. a job. 
or, or maybe not even doing a job, we're performing a, a role in society, I guess. I feel like, personally, coming from where I've been, I feel like I see Australian politicians as real people just because of the way the system is set up. <clears throat> right. Um, personally, that's my, that's my view, whereas uh, where I come from, politicians take on this kind of demigod status. Right. Um, you know, right. speak out against them and you may disappear. Um, well, depending right. on which party they belong to. <laughs> but I do think sometimes people think of politicians as being, you know, like one-dimensional and not understanding that they have families and that they have, mm. you know, have had hardships and mm. have made sacrifices yeah. Yeah. and that they only see them as their political voice that they're portraying. So it's always good to see, you know, it's always good to hear those stories about people have, you know, like particular instances where you go, oh, that person, that's a really interesting thing. Mm. Yeah. And one of the things that I've noticed about doing these interviews all the time is that, you know, everybody has a story mm. and um, we yeah. all have, you know, mm. different yeah, yeah, yeah. things that we've done or not. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, one of the things that you talked about when you were at um, Blake's was that your experience was quite broad there mm. and um, you said that you participated in... in coronial inquests mm. what was that like and what role did you play in those coronial inquests um it was uh, uh, a, a very very a very very good experience i think it, it was um you know the 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 coronial inquest i think you know had been listed for five days and it ended up going for three weeks uh, there were a lot of interested parties it became you know, and again, no disrespect to the deceased or his family, but it became very kind of political in a way, or it felt like that to me. Mm. Um, I, so I thought it was a, a very interesting matter um, to have been involved in it, and and it was certainly the first big matter that that took years um, that I saw from the very first day to the very last day, in the sense that I I. Um, for whatever reason, I was the person that you know was just sent up to the the site where the 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 incident occurred. Uh, the day of or the day after the incident. Gee, that's quick. And so I was uh, I was a, you know, a very junior lawyer at the time. I think I might have been in my second year at the time. Mm. And uh, and I think as a result of that, I was sent up to you know basically do the document management you know mm -hmm. that's that's what somebody of that level would would do uh and so i ended up being up at uh up at the site for a week or two maybe even two weeks um helping the client respond to the initial uh document production requests from the the um you know the um regulator who was investigating the the incident uh, yeah, so I think, and then as a result of that, you know, I had all of that knowledge and all, all of that, um, uh, you, know, you know, personal um, knowledge of, uh, you know, the documents that existed, mm. the, you know, the information systems, how they were set up, who was who in the zoo, who knew what, you know, who was involved in doing what, and, and I ended up just staying on the matter 
um, the whole way through. I, I, again, you know, mostly you know, as the the sort of junior. I don't want to say dog's body, but I mean, you know, it was <laughs> it was certainly my yeah, role to, ways, to move the paper most, around the state. Yeah. And you probably knew the case most intimately because you, yeah, because mm, you were the one that mm. was had the most involvement on yeah. a day-to-day basis yeah. from the employer's point of view. So you Ooh. were representing the employer that, in that. Uh, yes, yes, that's right. Yes, and so uh, you know, that went for a number of years. You know, we had a. Um, a senior counsel briefed on the matter, so it was a great experience working with him. Um, and I think that was probably the first you know, big case where I really you know, kind of um, had, you know, my role and I wasn't just doing odd jobs, jobs and, yeah. you know, being given odd tasks. I, you know, I was part of the, the team running the litigation and uh, it was a really good experience. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. Actually, I really did enjoy that in hindsight. So, why did you leave? You sort of started to talk about it. You wanted to go to London, was We it? went to London, yeah, yeah. And I think, um, I mean, obviously now Brisbane is super cool. Um, but back in 2011, <laughs> back in 2011, it wasn't so much, or we didn't think so. Um, <laughs> and we had lots of friends who were over in the UK who were studying or working in London. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, the idea of getting out for a couple of years and, and again, no disrespect to anybody, but the idea of just getting out of a, out of a firm and getting out of that, that lifestyle really appealed to me. Um, and, you know, we decided to do it then. And so... Well, know. actually, we had to do it then because I was approaching 30 and I, I could only get the two-year, what was then called the Youth Mobility Visa. And I had to do that before I turned 30. So, uh-huh. yeah. so we were kind of up against that. So did your fiancé at the time, was she working overseas as well? Or? Well, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. yeah, so she, she, she's a lawyer also. And um, uh, so she was working in a firm as well and, and also, yeah, worked as a lawyer mm-hmm. um, when we were over there. I think it's fair to say she um, is one of those rare beings who actually enjoys being a lawyer and uh, <laughs> likes, likes what she does. And... Um, uh, and, and so she found herself a very, a very good, very stable contract role there um, that paid reasonably well, and um, that meant that you could live in London. Well, yeah, that's right, that's right. And uh, uh, what's actually funny then at that time there was a lot of contract work, and it wasn't like the work was kind of dull, but like was pretty lucrative. Like this, mm. there's a lot of people that would you know make. Or could potentially, like depending on the contracts and the, the jobs that were coming through, um, you know, there's stories of people making over a hundred thousand pounds just doing contract work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Needs to reconsider my life choices. Well, it's it's dull. It's really bad work. But but was um, that hard work? Like? It was hard in the sense that it was quite boring and they demanded quite long hours. Mm-hmm. So, depending on how you wanted to do it, you know, yes, you could put yourself through hell and just sit there clicking through documents on the discovery project for 12 months and earn a hundred thousand pounds for doing so mm. or you know you could do that for three months and um, whatever it was you know 25,000 pounds and say well now I'm going to go Traveler. traveling around Europe for you know three months 
Um, and did you do a bit of traveling? Did a lot of traveling, but not in that way. So we, mm. you know, we would take weekends, long weekends. Um, you know, from time to time, we would take a couple of weeks. You know, if um, you know, if it was if we were entitled to them, you know, we'd we'd take them and and uh, we not not that we specifically wanted to do this, but we ended up traveling a lot through France and um, you know my now wife did like a cooking school in France and um, that was a, a week you know where she mm. sort of lived in and, and did this cooking school so yeah just did some fun fun things you know the things that in, in well, that, that, that indulged so it wasn't like a career choice I want to get <laughs> no 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 that's exactly right no the idea was you know we, we, we feel a little bit burnt out we feel a bit tired um, the last thing we want to do is you know go to London and work you know crazy hours at a magic circle or even mm. a silver circle law firm um and uh you know and never see london so the idea was exactly the like to, to avoid doing and, and working the way that we had worked up until that point yeah. and yeah. and and it meant that from you know time to time we were a bit skint and it meant that you know from time to time i, I in particular was out of work for you know sometimes you know three or four weeks at a stretch Oh wow! Um, I thought you were going to say three or four months. You know, at least three or four months. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know, like there was, there was a few times where you know, like the the money started getting a bit tight, and um, uh, yeah, which was a good experience for us, I think. Yeah, well, it is because mm. you know you would have, like you said, you were nearly thirty. Mm. Like, what's that like? Because my sort of thinking is, I wouldn't have wanted to take a risk like that when I was thirty to be out of work. You know, um, yeah, probably because I had children. Well, yeah, and I didn't, and yeah. um, so I, I didn't feel like it was a, a, a you know, mm. a, a huge risk. I, I thought that it was a, a calculated risk in that sense. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I do remember the the first contract that sort of ended prematurely. You know, like mm. you know, we just got dragged into the conference room, and they said, "All right, well, it's settled. It's all over." <laughs> Uh, see ya. And there was about forty people on that contract, and so there was forty people then hitting the, hitting the market, mm. looking for something else, and you know it was pretty, pretty weird. Like that was the first time that had ever happened. That you know I, I'd, yeah. I'd lost a job that I had, and I, I mean I appreciate it was a contract job, and it was never going to be forever. But mm. um, yeah, just being told you're out is kind of interesting. Mm. But then having had that experience, I'm maybe not as afraid of that. Yeah, that's now. true. You know, it's um, um, you know, it's exposed me to that, that unfortunate reality that that a lot of people go through, and yeah, maybe I can be a little bit more empathetic about that, and also, perhaps maybe value the jobs that I have, going forward. Yeah. I think so, hmm. and you know, actually, it always reminds me that sometimes you know, working for government, you think that perhaps the remuneration isn't as good, but hmm. it's certainly on the whole a lot more secure yeah mm. yeah so yeah. um you went to the general dental council that's mm. an interesting choice really yeah. the what general are they? dental council yeah uh, what are they and what were you doing there it's uh it's um but basically for mm. dentists what the law society is for lawyers so it's oh, the, the regulatory body that um you know, has statutory functions and powers to issue practicing certificates and licenses mm. to, to practice as a dentist. Um, and then also uh, prosecute, you know, investigate and prosecute 
fitness to practice matters. So whether someone is, um, uh, oh, there are three things. So it's um, either um, engaging in um, professional misconduct, unprofessional conduct, or if they had health issues that mm. impaired their their, conduct, uh, their their performance. So um, that's that was my role. How did they pick up people who might have health issues that impaired their performance? Because I know that oh. there's a big thing in Australia now about medical practitioners and yeah. uh, reporting some. mental health issues. Yeah. But how would you do it in? Yeah. Well, it, it, I mean... Um, it's a it's a it's a good question. I mean, um, some of the times people would realise that they've got, like the the obvious example is like someone's got arthritis in their hands. Mm. They can no longer do the, yeah, you know the they no longer have those fine motor skills mm. that they need to be a dentist. So, you know, unfortunately, they say, well, I can't do it. You know, and they yeah. they write in and they say, well, you know, I've been diagnosed with this. I can't continue. Mm. Um, so they're taken off the, the role of dentists. and um, So some people, it was self-disclosure. Exactly, self-disclosure. Yeah. And then others, um, often often it sort of started with a complaint by a patient, you know, like mm. uh, to, to, the, to the dental council. And then whatever that complaint might be, um, you know, it might, might lead to, you know, the investigators asking questions about, you know, physical or mental health um mm. i think the uh, you know i can't just just on the spot like this i can't really remember an example of someone's behavior or conduct that that, that sort of triggered that sort of investigation but um um it obviously happened. but but yeah, yeah. What, what, whatever it was that they they did mm. you know obviously had some hallmarks or something it's, it's just funny that you mentioned it as one of the three areas because i wouldn't have thought it'd be a huge area of people oh, really? yeah. no I, I, no that was probably the biggest I was area about to say, really? I think it would be the biggest area because mm. because i don't know i don't know if a lot of people would dob um or yeah, yeah but it, I, I feel like medical incapacity Mm. For a lot of medical practitioners that I know, people who are in the med- med- medical field, that's the only thing that makes them stop. Yeah. Um, Actually, now that you mention the word dobbing, um, I'm recalling, yeah, often often, in the case of um, health complaints, it's often a complaint made by a colleague or a, somebody else in the practice that says, yeah. oh, you know, I... I know. Here's here's an example, you know, like, oh, you know, Bugalugs was, you know, 10 patients behind at lunchtime because he spends, you know, four hours a day washing his hands, you know, and you sort of say, well, that, that sounds like Mm. OCD or something, you know, and so, you know, you, you start investigating on that basis. Mm, so it's yeah. probably not often patients. It's like you said, other colleagues. That's right. And I think, you know, the other... The, the, the patient complaints would often be for overcharging, fraud, um, you know, um, unprofessional conduct. Um, but, yeah, the, the health concerns maybe are more sympathetic and come from, you know, people known to the, yeah. the practitioner. Yeah. But those are the three categories, I think, that um, apply to lawyers in Queensland as well and, and around mm-hmm. the country. I think... Uh, um, I think it'd be fairly similar in in, in practices, mm. you know. Mm. And there's certainly a risk, you know, that that those sorts of complaints are 
you know, made by um, you know, parties that are a little bit discontent with each other, and uh, <laughs> they're used as a you know, like a a sword instead of a shield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they're really looking after the practitioner's <laughs> yeah. best interest. No, so. no. Um, so on your what what drew you home and back to you know a big law firm? Oh, uh, well, visa expired, had to leave. You know, uh, so um, two years. Yeah, and I had no um, entitlement to a either a UK passport or a passport from any other EU country. Mm. Um, so would you have stayed otherwise? Do you yeah, think? I think I think we would have for at least another year you know mm. and i think you know there's that samuel johnson quote that you know when you tire of london you tire of life but um i can certainly see how london will get a bit much you know after a while um and certainly even in the two years that we were there you know it it, it you know for somebody who had grown up and, and lived in brisbane and worked in brisbane you know we went to london after a while it it just started feeling like normal old life you know mm-hmm. like we go home we cook dinner we go to the grocery store you know it's not like the london that perhaps you experience when you just go there for a week on a holiday or you know mm. two or three days on a holiday you're not you're not just going to mm. all those really amazing tourist attractions like madame Tussauds or um mm. you know baker street sherlock holmes is uh <laughs> I'm just trying to think of all the lamest ones I can think. Well, no, big, but, big, um, but it's big true, band, yeah. The London O2 Centre, yeah. London um, Bridge. London Bridge. Um, yeah, so, so you know, you, after a while you just fall into a routine where you, you know, you get up. And at the time, you know, I was pretty unfit and a friend of mine sort of challenged me to get fitter, uh, which I did, you know. So get up, go for a run around the, the local park, um, you know, have breakfast, go to work come home mm. the one thing i i did a lot more of in london than i ever had done before was um read you know i bought a mm. my wife bought me a kindle uh and which were you know, pretty new at the time and i just put all these classic old novels on it and so i had a 30 minute commute you know from door to door um and i just read and read mm. and read and read and you know read a lot of really you know great books that I'm so glad I've read now, and um, but otherwise never would have found the time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, apart from that, it just started feeling like regular old life. Oh, mm. Probably the weather's a bit, bit better in Brisbane. Oh, well, I mean, it's it's sunnier <laughs> and it's hotter. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I personally like the cold. Yeah, me too. I actually yeah, really enjoyed it. I thought London was because I, I struggle to sleep in Brisbane yeah, heat and yeah, Queensland heat yeah. and the Queensland humidity, so I prefer the cold. Because yep. I feel like when you're too hot, what do you do? I mean, when you, you get too, when cranky, you, you, get cranky. you get cranky yeah, exactly. and you start getting and the, shitty, and you, uh, you there's just, not much you can do. But when you're cold, you just warm up. You just put something on. Yeah. And exactly. You yeah. put a fan on. Huh? If it's hot. What if it's humid and hot? <laughs> What's that fan <laughs> gonna do for you, Loretta? You tell me. <laughs> we're, we're recording this podcast like what? In a very, very humid period, there's a lot of rain. Yeah, and it's, and it's very took, hot all the time. And it took, I, it took 35 minutes of this podcast for me to stop sweating. Yeah. <laughs> and that's only because Loretta wouldn't let us have a fan. Yeah. But, um, you know, I reckon I've given more other you know, drivers on the road the finger in the last two weeks than I, I you know, would normally do. 
in a year. In a year. <laughs> it's been, it's been, yeah, been pretty cranky. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> when you came back to HB Epsworth, mm. is that when you started working part-time or it, uh, did you no. only start doing that when you went to Crown Law? No, I only started doing that when I went to Crown Law, yeah. So I worked, it was a, it was mm. a good year. I, um, uh, you know, I've made some um, pretty good friends from that, that year at Ebsworths, but um, uh, that was uh, like a, 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 a standard, you know, associate's role at, mm. at a firm, um, worked um, full time. Uh, yeah, had some pretty good work when I was there. Actually, it was pretty pretty interesting work. But but yeah, by the end of that year, that's I think when I had um, well well two things I guess I I decided that I really wanted to give the the writing and, and comedy go mm. or a better go, and um, and yeah through a, a connection of mine I'd I'd managed to. You know, meet somebody at Crown Law who was happy to facilitate working part time, which would make that happen. So, because um, it's still yeah. not very, it's like I mean, even at Legal Aid, because when I joined Legal Aid, I wanted to job share. Mm. It was seen as something very alien, mm. you know, when mm. I started, mm. because mm. it's not. I don't know why people think you can't service a client. What's the difference between servicing for mm. four days or three days? Mm rather than five days. You're not working seven days, so... Well, you're not, no. no. And I, I mean... Uh, well, and I guess the, the thing about it that I've um, learnt um, in my experience is that you never quite know when things are going to pop up. Mm. And that's that's been the problem with part-time work in the law. Um, you know, and compared to medicine or, or other shift work type yeah. arrangements you know you, you, you know you might do a long shift yes you might work very very hard you might see a lot of mm. patients but at that time you know you hand over all the files or your, your patients yeah. to another doctor who's or nurse or whoever it is that's mm. coming on shift at that time you go home and you sleep and you go forget for the about it. And, and well you may not forget about it exactly mm. but at least you're not responsible for yes. it you know no one's calling you for it mm. um Whereas the law is very different in the sense that, you know, once you get a file, that's your file. Nobody else in the firm gives a shit mm. and they don't want to do it because they've got all their own files. Mm. And so, you know, whenever something happens on that file, it's yours to do. Mm. And but, can, but do you think that you I can that manage can... those client expectations? I do think it's harder in a private firm because... Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. They, I mean, and, and part of the whole culture of a private firm is you know well we're there for our clients whenever mm. they want us and you know that's what we're that's what we're being paid for and you know that's what distinguishes us from you know yeah. the suburban solicitor that doesn't have the resources yeah. that, that we have um but yeah i think you you can manage it until you get into you know like a either a big transaction that needs to happen and keep yeah. happening, or um, a litigation where you know, someone sends something on mm. your day off, and the client just just wants to talk to someone about mm. it. And and I think that's when you realise that part of your role as a lawyer is well, maybe not a counsellor, but you know, you you your clients are looking to you for comfort, and you know they don't want to wait three and years I, for that. Look, I absolutely agree with you. And I, I think that. that 
that is your role in some ways because people don't want to go to counsellors. They think it's okay to go to a lawyer, you know, and they do. Because because it has been proven time and time again, Loretta, that litigation fixes all of the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. Like 100%, 100% of the cases yeah. fix everyone's problems. Because everyone who, everyone who engages in litigation always gets the outcome they want. Exactly. It's never, it's never split down the middle. Never split down no, the middle, and, never, no, and no one ever loses. It's never a compromise. Never. No, never. No. It's, um, it's just, yeah, you know, that this is how you are going to show the Litiga- world that litigation, you are right. Litigation is the law's response to Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> something for you, something for you, something for you. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> no, that's actually well, everybody yeah. wants everything. A hundred percent for you. <laughs> Um, we should do a podcast for prospective clients. Yeah, we should. Uh, like, I feel like, and it should be a prerequisite before someone signs a retainer to listen to the podcast. Let <laughs> the podcast do the management of expectations. Well, well, I, well I, I encountered someone um, on my travels who said, uh, who was a, a, a social worker, mm. and her theory was that anyone who is even, like, even faintly sort of contemplating litigation. Uh, should be court ordered to go and speak to a social worker <laughs> or a counsellor. And I think, you know, over the years I've sort of come around to this. I, I don't think it's a silly idea. I think that, um, you know, the idea that you go to someone who is trained to sort of mm. listen, firstly, listen yep. to your problem, not just listen for the words that like trigger. Yeah. You know, like, the what is the cause of action? What is the defense? You know, listen to you as a person um, uh, 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 venting your problem mm-hmm. and see if they can actually help you overcome the emotional mm-hmm. aspects of it. Because if someone can help you overcome those emotional aspects such that you no longer feel like you have to or want to litigate, yeah. That'd be such a good It'll be really good. Oh, that'd just It'll that'd be. just be such a such a service to the the profession, uh, to the court system. Yeah. Um you know, it it it'd um avoid, you know, people um you know, just wasting time and resources with yeah. claims that shouldn't mm. be wrong. Yeah. No look I I would have to say one of the things about working in poverty law is mm. that you do get that opportunity True. because you can say to people, you have that role. Mm. I think you must have that role. Mm. But one of the things that I've been reflecting on is about complaints. Truly. And I think that this is an issue that people are not, you know, really, it is about listening to what they have to say and mm. then saying that, litigation is not going to get Mm, them mm. the outcome that they're looking for Mm. and in the way that they're looking Mm, for it mm, mm. i said you know how often i've said don't come to me if you're looking for justice (laughs) (laughs) i've floated the idea in my head of one day one day i'm going to be like a billionaire i'm going to fund a show um that's kind of like shows law for what it is mm. uh, where people like make complaints to like the legal services commission and it comes to nothing mm. Um, mm. because yeah. they're told oh your lawyer did their job by telling you that you got a shit claim yeah. Um, um, yeah. Mm. but yeah. I think that's it. but I think that lawyers can be better at doing that yeah no, so that doesn't excuse people, bedside manner yes 
I think this is a problem with with lawyer. Well, that's the thing because we're not social workers. Mm-hmm. I feel right? like lawyers are better at it than doctors. like doctors, it's like their life is in your hands. So some, some, and sometimes they, they 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 they've got a lot of patience. So at some point, they just stop caring about how you feel. And they're just mm. like you're gonna die. Um, yeah. Whereas uh, I think lawyers, because of I think lawyers are quite heavily regulated, um, and they always have to be polite. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. And sometimes probably it would be better if they were a bit more aggressive. And I think sometimes mm. too you have to remember that you may not be the right lawyer for this person because I've point. been thinking That's about a very this. Good point. That's a very good point. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, because I have, you know, my style is very much, you know, like compromise Mm. and, you know, relationship building. Yeah. But sometimes that doesn't work for people because what they want is somebody who's aggressive, you know, and somebody who just tells them to shut up or whatever. Yeah. And I'll never be that lawyer. Well, that doesn't mean I'm a bad lawyer. It just means I'm not the right lawyer for that person. And the same thing, other times people want that compassion or, you know. Yeah. Then there might be other other argument that says, well, you know, as as a lawyer, should you be able to discern what it is that your client needs and give them that? Like, can you write that nasty letter when you need to, and and be compassionate when you need to? And um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's um. But sometimes, well. but sometimes things like it's not age natural. is against it's not you, natural. Yeah. your gender's against you, yeah, yeah. And, and look. And I, I get it that people shouldn't take your gender as something that mm. they... But the but they do. Is, they mm-hmm. do. You know, so how do you do that? Do you just say to them, well, you shouldn't be taking this? But I think it's 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 a tricky... Mm-hmm. It's always tricky and I'm, I'm mm. quite conscious of it. Mm. Particularly yeah, in some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. some of the work that I do. And, you know, sometimes people don't like young lawyers or... How do you counter that? Certainly, I st- no one wants to pay mm. for a young lawyer. Yeah, I yeah. started. I started when I started having to go and like do like client facing stuff. I mm. started growing up my beard mm. just so that I can look a slightly older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I was told that it's um, it's good to have a little grey hair so that people take you seriously. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, and I'm infer- I, my, I, I've got twenty twenty vision, but I'm investing in glasses because yeah, again, yeah, yeah. it makes you look more. <laughs> Smart I felt yeah. smart the first time I walked here. <laughs> it's amazing it power, isn't it? <laughs> um, you also paint, Mark. I've started how, recently, yeah. How would you describe your art and when did you start painting? So it was only recently. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah last year I started during um, parental leave yeah, when we had our little mm. boy and uh, I've what I've been trying to do is just um, basically just copy other people's stuff mm. just to see how to do it, you know, like just try, yeah. just try. And I'm not trying to be a great artist. I just think, um, you know, having embarked upon that journey, I now feel like I'm sort of training myself to, to look at, you know, like a, a yeah. you know, even I'm just on social media, you know, I now... On Instagram, follow a lot of art, art stuff. You yeah. know, like people who curate an Instagram, like a daily Instagram yeah. art feed. But 
I'll just say, sitting in this room, there's a, there's a painting of the Forex Brewery. Yeah. No one will be able to see it, but um, I don't My know what it is about. Not <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. Uh, I must say, there's something about the sky that's incredibly peaceful. Mm. The colors that you've yeah. chosen. Yep. Um, you I mean, sky just, colors? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, far out! Um, <laughs> I don't know. I really, I, I really like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the the the, the sky. The, the Everyone sky likes colors. that pa- painting. Yeah. They don't like all the other ones as much, but um, but uh, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a few on the wall here. Um, it's not all the ones I've done, but it's the, the better of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's that. You're right. There is something about there's, that. There's something, there is there's that, something yeah. about that, and it's it's just that sort of um, yeah, that, that minimalist style with hard edges yeah. you know for, for the brewery itself and then yeah. just a lot of sky yeah above it and the sunset it's um yeah. it's just i like the silhouette mm. i liked when i saw i, I took a photo of that like yeah. I, I was walking through um you know that uh suncorp okay. stadium precinct and yeah. the sun was setting you know and it just looked like a beautiful yeah scene you know and just sort of um i might take a photo of that that can be the Episode and photo. Oh yeah, by all means. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because it's quite nice. Yeah, I, think yeah. I think it's. Yeah. I think. So. And you're right. I quite like that whole silhouette thing. Mm. It is, and that you know even the amount of space that mm. you've given to the mm. sky, mm-hmm. yep. like that's quite unusual. Yeah. 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 All right, um, but we've we've talking we've been talking for a while so i did want to ask you about the malakuta photo of in january 2020 were you there during the bush no fires? no not at all no but um i remember watching the news mm. i was visiting my uh my family who were in who are in melbourne um so this was obviously pre-covid mm. uh, we went down for christmas last year and i think it was only shortly after that the, the bushfires mm. started um so yeah, I just remember watching the news. You know, it was on the TV yeah. when I was down there with them, and um, you know, just these these images of just red sky. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and you know, pictures of the the red sky, and the sun was just a a red dot in a red mm. sky, and and that's sort of what inspired that. Yeah. So that was really one of the mm. first paintings I did, and part of me wants to just sort of go over it and do it better. But um, I would. I think it's really good though. Oh, because mm-hmm. I would, because it makes me because um, even though you went there when I look at it it reminds me of a scene that I, I wasn't there either. Sure. Um, it reminds me of a scene that I saw in the news exactly mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. where it was this mm-hmm. this kind of like sea of red where you could mm-hmm. more or less distinguish that there's water over there some land over there some trees over there yep. it's in the daytime because yep. the sun is there but it's just covered in this in the sky of red yeah and the ocean takes on a sort of purple mm-hmm. yeah exactly so much red in the in the air and yeah um, I just remember, yeah, footage on the news of people being on the beach, you know, with either handkerchiefs over their masks or, or masks mm. if they had them, mm. you know, the smoke being so thick, and and I think that, you know, it was the, it was the like I know it was a, a, a an episode that affected um, epi- uh, Australia as a whole and not just Malakuta, but mm. I do remember Malakuta in particular being. Um, sticking out in my memory because you know they had to get the navy to come mm. in by boat and people yeah. basically just had to just yeah. get off the yeah. land because yeah. it was all yeah. I remember that. all burning around them so um yeah that that really you know struck an emotional chord with me i thought that was uh, a, a really you know interesting um 
sort of part yeah. of that event yeah. uh, as yeah. a whole. You know? yeah. The other interesting part being Scott Morrison's performance. Let's not forget that. <laughs> I mean, everyone has forgotten it through COVID. <laughs> it's such a shame. That's true. Whatever your politics is, Scott is a dick. <laughs> COVID has saved a lot of politicians. Killed one. Oh, yeah. As in, well, not just metaphorically killed him, yeah. and he's refusing to accept it, but saved everyone else. Mm. Mm. <laughs> now, all right, well, we'll get out of politics. <laughs> <laughs> On to religion. <laughs> <laughs> My religion, which is networking. <laughs> Good, okay, okay, sure. So, how do you think um, networking has helped you both in your legal and creative pursuits? Where has it been most important and what do you think has been most effective? Mm. So it's a big question. That's right? a massive question. Oh, I might ask Tracy the triple, same Triple barrel. Oh, that same question. Mm. Well, um, she's good. No, she's really, she's really good. But, uh, <laughs> Poor Mark. <laughs> no, I'm really, I'm really sort of thinking about that now. So I think uh, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you're all about trying to build relationships mm. and, and I think... You know, one of the, the partners I worked for very early on, you know, really instilled that in me, that, you know, building mm. relationships is mm. very, very important. I think, you know, he, he was telling me that in the context of, you know, building relationships with clients and, mm. you know, establishing trust and uh, things like that. But, um, uh, you know, but, but, but over the years, I think, you know, it's occurred to me that more often than not, you're going to get your next job through somebody you know. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're looking for a new job, you know, mm-hmm. chances are you're going to get it through somebody you know, rather than looking on seek. Um, you know, and, and I think that that that's just one example of the effectiveness of good networks, you know, like and, and broad networks. If if you're lucky enough to have them, or if you're the kind of personality that, that you know is is happy and and is able to 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 meet new people and develop those networks. Um, uh, I think that 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 um, for, for me, I'm a relatively um, extroverted person, mm-hmm. so I naturally get my energy talking to other people and being with other people. Um, which is not to say that I don't also enjoy some downtime and alone time, but I really do like being in company. Um, so networking just sort of seems to. I wouldn't, although I wouldn't call it networking, but it is. Um, yeah. It's just hanging out with people, just you know, just being with people and enjoying their company, hearing what they have to say, seeing what's going on for them in their part of the world. Um, but I think then moving on to the next part of your question, um, you know, ha- having had some legal training and and you know working as a lawyer and having that experience networking, I think um, when I did decide to start pursuing the comedy a little bit more. Um, seriously, you know, I'm working part time and you know, trying to do more comedy. Uh, you know, it, it meant that I maybe had the skills, or I, I at least had some experience putting myself out there. You know, putting mm. myself out there to say, "Here's my show. Here's my idea for a show." You know, here's what I've done in the past. Mm. Um, you know, but also having worked in a firm, you know, you get the idea of marketing, you get the idea of, you know, trying to mm-hmm. build clients, trying to build those relationships. So I think at every sort of step of the way, although I think I'm still only taking, you know, relatively small steps forward in in the creative work, um, you know, I at least sort of had the foresight to say, well, 
you know, if I want to get from A to B, I've got to leverage off what I've done. So, you know, I paid someone to video the first show, you know, which meant that I could then show it to somebody who was curating the festival mm-hmm. who I wanted to get into there and mm-hmm. they said oh well that looks kind of fun based on what you showed us so they gave us a spot for the festival you know and we've you know been able to sort of consolidate our spot in that like the Brisbane Comedy Festival yeah. for example and and I think you know we've built a, a good rapport and a good relationship with the people that that run that festival um so we've been able to you know, c- continue doing that mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, be invited back year after year, and um, and so I think you know, once we've consolidated you know, our position there, you know, maybe there's something else that you know we can do, and we can sort of reach out. But you know, I sort of understand perhaps as a result of working in a private firm and seeing how that business is run, um, I can sort of see how the you know the the business side works you know yeah. how you, you need to sort of have a product and you need to sort of think about who you're going to show that product to and think mm. about who can help you um you know progress that product um mm. I, I, you know I, I would say that that you know my experience as a lawyer has really sort of made me sort of think about that mm. side mm. of things more mm. uh and and helped me to execute that a little bit more successfully mm. than I otherwise might have been able to. Um, I suppose then, coming back to the, the, the point of the question, which was networking, um, it means then that, you know, you, you can say to your colleagues, you know, I've got a comedy show, would you like to come? You know, and Not just say. One out of ten comes and they say, all right, I'll take a friend mm. next time. And so, you know, your audience sort of grows yeah. a bit. And you, so you, you lean on your networks to, to grow your audience. It's quite hard to get a ticket to his show. They sell out pretty quick. <laughs> Do you think we'll get a ticket now, having huh? done this interview? Yeah. Uh, I mean, with that, I mean, I, I, I'll give you one. Oh, thank you. Um, I wasn't expecting that. I was, I was, I was expecting to be just. You I'm, give it, I'm give pretty it, sure. It's, it's just moment. like I'll give you one, and then after the you recording, he's like, later. "There we go." <laughs> just like, "Oh, no, you can pay me." Um, because they sell out pretty quick. Because we went to go this year, and I thought, "Oh, yeah, I'll just rock up and get a ticket." No, no, no. It was completely sold out. Hang on, but did it go ahead? Huh? Went ahead. We yeah, had, the, the show went ahead. I just couldn't go and watch it. We, we had um, we had four um, nights booked, and the last night was mm. um, cancelled on account of the, the, the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I think I booked one. I can't even remember who I booked to go and see, and I didn't. Damn so, it! Damn it. Did <laughs> you get your money back? No, I don't think so. What kind of a consumer would I? Oh, okay. you know, I wanted to support it anyway. So it's not. It were, they weren't expensive. That's what's nice true, about true. the Brisbane true. Comedy that Festival. True. True. They're not extraordinarily expensive tickets, and yep. they're small theatres. You'd always have fun. So yeah, oh yeah, so. and I think um, uh, you know if it's if it's um, <coughs> pardon me. And if it's also how you can sort of get access to an internationally renowned yeah. comedian yeah. that you otherwise you know couldn't couldn't or wouldn't travel to see, mm. like, it's, it's it's a really good opportunity. It is because I remember <coughs> I remember watching Stephen King. Yeah, right. Yeah, when he yeah, came yeah, to Brisbane. Yeah. 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 yeah, good job. Okay, well, I think that's a nice spot to leave it. Anything oh, okay. else sure. that you wanted to say, Mark, before we close it off? We uh, won't give Tanashi a go. <laughs> no, no, not really. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's um, it's been a lovely chat. Thank you very much for for having me.
Well, thank you, mm. Mark and Tanashi. Mm, okay. And um, until the next episode. Oh, do, you do, the, do, do, do you want me to do the end of this? Yes. Can you just say mm, what, where like, we can find Mark? There, uh, Loretta was, was going to end this without kind of like giving Mark his shameless plug. Um, <laughs> I thought yeah. about whether I should just take that. Uh, but no. You can find out more about Mark by checking out his website, Mark Lombard, Inc., where you can see some of the work of art, the works of bad spelling, Loretta. Oh, the no. works of art. Oh, nice. <laughs> the works of art that he has created, or reading the show notes for his episode of on my well, Loretta's website that has got really pretty pictures of herself that she had professionally taken <laughs> where she was changing in the middle of Bond University. www.lorettacrete.com. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining us on Lunching with Lawyers. If you enjoyed this episode or have questions or comments for our guests, head to the show notes for this episode and click on the contact links below. If you have suggestions, ideas or questions or would even like to be part of this series, head to the Contact Us page on our website, www.lorettacrete.com. <laughs>